Welcome to the Wholehearted Eating Podcast, where non-diet nutrition, weight-inclusive care, and integrative health collide. We're your hosts, Dana Montes and Christina Hoyt, licensed integrative clinical nutritionists and body image coaches. And we believe you deserve to have a joyful relationship with food in your body, even if you have a chronic health condition or symptoms that just won't quit. On this show, together and with our guests, we're bringing the real talk, no BS5, with tangible tools to help you pursue health and wellness without obsession or restriction. Remember our disclaimer, this podcast is meant for general information purposes only and should not be taken as a substitute for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Hey friends, and welcome back to the Wholehearted Eating Podcast. Dana here today, and we have a really exciting and really fun guest for you today with a very timely topic because it is about mid to the end of January, depending on when you are listening to this episode. So we know that you'll find this really helpful. So diving right into it, Sammy is a registered dietitian, a certified intuitive eating counselor, a certified personal trainer, and the owner of Fine Food Freedom, the co-host of What the Actual Fork podcast, and the host of the Fine Food Freedom podcast. On today's episode, we are diving into the how the new year, new me mentality feeds the binge restrict cycle, the comparison trap, and prevents you from truly healing your relationship with food and body image, even if you're not actively dieting. We're also talking about how leaning into discomfort and creating community is an essential part of the healing journey. Before we get started, you can always email us if you have a question or feedback for the show. It's hello at wholeheartedeating.com. You can find me on Instagram at Dana Monsies underscore CNS, and you can find Christina at Christina Hoyt Nutrition. And if you've been enjoying the show, we would love you forever if you would share it with a friend, a family member, whoever you think would love this podcast. And honestly, if you do, your friends probably will as well. Sammy, thanks so much for coming on. I had such a blast with you guys interviewing me on your podcast, which is actually, I think, going to come out after this one so we can direct everybody to go listen to you guys as well. Um, But I'm so excited to have you on today because I, since we're still in January, I would love for you to get started with talking about how the whole mentality of like, new year, new me is toxic and not helpful for those of us going on a more intuitive eating journey. Yes, I would love to cover that. And it's funny that you're asking this question because we were just talking off air about how I was just on CBS and we prepped for this question and many other questions that never got asked because the segment was like cut so short. So I have a lot of thoughts on this that I've been prepping over the past week. And I think I would like to kind of navigate it by talking directly to people if they are on a diet right now, or if they are thinking about dieting or feeling pulled to dieting, because when I was asked this question from the producer's standpoint, I think they thought I was going to say like, fuck dieting. And like, you're not allowed to diet. But I was like, no, truly how I would respond to this is we understand if you are on a diet right now, how hard it is. And we are not anti-human beings who diet. We are anti-diet culture. And when I say anti-diet culture, I mean the $72 billion diet industry full of fads, pills, supplements, and basically anything promoting intentional weight loss being like the end all be all fix to life. So I would like to just address people that are on a diet or who have an intensive diet history to know that it's okay if you've dieted your entire life, it's okay. If you're dieting right now, it makes sense. This is truly what our culture preaches, 
but to get curious about, okay, if I have been dieting for five, 10, 20, 30 plus years, has it worked for me? Right. If not, why do I keep coming back to it? Right. How has dieting and restricting for all of this time affected you thus far? And that's where I really want to like start that conversation. Cause I think what happens, and I know I definitely did this and I would love to hear if you guys did this too. In the beginning of my anti-diet, like discovery, I was the person with the, the pitchfork saying like, that's where fuck diet culture Friday started, where I was like, fuck dieting, fuck all this stuff. And, and that is a very important message, but the problem is, is people that have been dieting for so long, get like their identity wrapped up in it. So if you are only saying those things, it can really be a huge turnoff and turn people away from this message. So I just rambled for a long time. So I'm going to let you take it wherever you want from there. (laughs) No rambling. That wasn't a ramble. I actually really liked how you started off that way because that's something that me and Dana are really passionate about, about validating for people and letting everybody know, our listeners included, that you're not excluded from the conversation or from this journey because you're actively dieting or actively pursuing weight loss, whatever means that is. I think we have to acknowledge the fact that this is the culture that we live in and that your desire for that is completely valid and natural given the culture and the environment that we are are constantly bombarded with every single day. That it's almost like a true act of rebellion to not have signed up for some kind of program. And so... To me, I think that's such a really great point that you brought up. And to be honest, I think sometimes gets really lost in a lot of messaging around, especially in the invitation for intuitive eating and the anti-diet culture, because people think of it as, oh, I can't join because I still have this like deep nagging within me to, to change something about myself, whether it's my appearance, my health, how I relate to food. Maybe I want to eat more health-promoting behaviors and I don't know how to do that other than this one message that I've heard so loudly. Um, and so I really appreciate you bringing that up and I didn't feel like it was a ramble at all. <laughs> At all. I felt like it was such a great note to start on that like, hey, listener, um, listeners, you belong here. It's okay. And let's talk about why this is toxic for you. And I think your invitation for them to ask themselves, what have I gotten out of dieting for so long is such a great question to kind of start with. What have you gotten out of it? Why do we keep going back to it? And why is it so um, attractive to try to do? I think I'd like to hear your thoughts on the the emotional toxicity of having a new year, new you kind of thought process and that marketing that gets so deep inside people. Yeah. Well, I think it's the new year, new you mentality is just like the restriction binge cycle on steroids is how I like to think of it. Right. Because it's like, when you think about the restriction binge cycle, whether it, it falls into the category of, I'll use a couple of different examples, like that you guys probably hear all the time too. Like, okay, I'm going to air quotes, be good Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and then Friday, Saturday, Sunday, I'm out of control eating all the things. The diet starts again Monday. 
or we see that happen with, let's say, vacations or um, holidays, right? Where I'm going to air quotes be good leading up to that vacation or holiday. Meanwhile, it basically just means restrict. And then we go on this vacation, we have holiday time, whatever it is, and we feel out of control eating all the things. Diet starts again after the holiday, after the vacation. Um, or even a lot of people see this play out daily, right? I'm going to air quotes be good all day which usually means restrict and then come home after a long day of work or whatever we have going on and feel out of control at night. And so I find that this is just another way that that restriction binge mentality is kind of like transpired where it's like, okay, those like weird days between whatever holidays you celebrate, mostly like the Christmas time, to New Year's Eve. It's like, nobody knows what day it is from like the 26th to like the 31st, or at least I didn't. Um, people just kind of like, all right, I have a few days left where I'm just going to say like, screw it. I'm going to do whatever. And then come New Year's day. Right. Or maybe they give themselves New Year's day, like the day after that, the first Monday of the year, whatever it is, I'm going to air quotes, be good. I'm going to start my diet again, et cetera. So it's that same restriction binging mentality that we see all the time, but there's like more of this weight on it or more of this emphasis on it because of the media, of course. And because there is something about like turning a calendar year and like a fresh start that I think can have, you know, a positive spin on it. But of course, diet culture just praise on it in a negative way. So I think the emotional ties to it are that people build so much up around this only to feel like a failure when it doesn't work, when we know that it's not going to work because it was never meant to work. It's unsustainable. It's unrealistic. You need carbs. Like you're not going to go all of 2022 without carbs listener. Um, that's our brain and body's number one source of energy. So I think it just becomes that restriction binge model, but a lot more extreme. So then when it doesn't work or when they air quotes fail, even though they're not failing, right. That's the industry failing. Um, it can bring up all that guilt and shame and create really negative emotions that start to turn into negative thoughts, which turn into that chronic yo-yo dieting cycle. And it's so hard too, because it's such a cultural phenomenon at this point, right? Like even the the day-to-day, the week-to-week over the holidays, vacations, I mean, especially we see in January, but like you said, the common like nomenclature that people use is, oh, I'm going to be good, right? Or like, oh, we're going on vacation. And what that basically means is like, I'm going to diet hardcore before I'm going to, or I'm going to restrict whether intentionally or unintentionally before, especially if you're going somewhere where your body is going to be on display, like you're going something warm or somewhere warm, right? And then when you're on that vacation, it's like, oh my gosh, I you feel out of control because it's a natural reaction to, I don't allow my body to have these foods and finally they're available and I'm actually letting myself have these. Oh my gosh, my body's like, well, fuck this famine, right? Like we need to load up on this stuff because we know from our patterns before that as soon as we get home, it's day one again, right? It's Monday, like diet starts Monday type thing. And then it's also, you know, another layer of this is that that's really hard is many of these diet programs 
have realized that they are more successful when they have a community piece. And so they like they hammer hard on that. I mean, you think about Noom, you think about Weight Watchers, you think about Whole30, like all of these other things that are like, oh, join our community of blah, blah, blah. And I think that's one of the reasons that people are drawn so strongly to these kinds of programs because they do want to feel better and they do want a sense of community. They want people who they're doing this with so you can suffer together, right? It's like doing, like if you're an athlete, it's like doing a hard workout together. You know, it's like if you join like a CrossFit gym, it's like murdering yourself at the gym together you know it's all these other things it's these hard experiences that you go through together and then you come out on the other side and you feel stronger you feel more you know a a, you know community for lack of a better word but then the really hard thing that people experience in addition to you know all of the other hard things about going on this journey towards more food neutrality and away from diet culture is you feel like you're losing that community and you're losing your health, right? Or you're giving up your health or, you know, you're doing all these things and people are like, well, wait a minute, I can't give up my health and I don't want to feel like I'm doing this on my own. You know, I think that is one of the reasons why this whole process is so hard of unlearning diet culture because there isn't, at least it's not as loud as the diet and fitness culture community. It's like we are a community here and we are very accepting. But like you said, one of the reasons why it feels like the anti-diet community is not as accepting is because of exactly what we started this conversation with, is a lot of people who are coming from dieting or the restriction community and are trying to go really to more of the middle, but as you said, we operate in extremes, right? They go all the way to the other side and they see the anti-diet community. And to be fair, there are people on that side that are like, no, if you want to lose weight, you don't belong here, right? And then those people that are coming from dieting are like, I don't belong here either. I want to go back to my community, right? So like, what do you think of all of that? I couldn't agree more. And I think it's, it's definitely a piece that it's easy to like skip over and not think about being a practitioner. And I think it's important that, and that's why we build communities, right. And in our spaces for that as well, because, oh, it's hard when people start, let's say you do go on your intuitive eating journey, right. And your food freedom journey, and you do make peace with food and, and you're, you're doing all these things. Like that is kind of that that normal next step of like, how do I deal with diet culture now? Because like I'm safe, but then I step out into this world and my family, my friends, medical providers, like media, like everything is saying opposite of this. Now, of course there's people like us and there are many people out there preaching the intuitive eating message or, or believing it and, and living it as, as their truth. But it's, it feels like you're the only one sometimes. So to that, I would say, just like you find a community in diet culture, it is important to find a community that you do feel safe, accepted, um, at home at, in the intuitive eating space, because especially in the intuitive eating space, because we can find diet culture communities anywhere, like literally anywhere. Um, but the intuitive eating space can be a little trickier. Um, of course, for those listening, we have a community at fine food freedom. I'm sure you guys have one as well. So just knowing like, okay, if you're listening to this podcast, there's two or three, right just right here. Um, but making sure that you're also finding a provider that you feel comfortable with. So 
if that is finding, you know, a provider in a marginalized body that you can connect with more. I think that's really important too, because that that's an important piece of this as well is that there are so many thin white privileged dietitians and there, that is not what the world looks like, right? Like that's just a part of it that it's important to acknowledge our privilege and make sure that all clients feel safe with their providers. So whether that's finding a community of ours, finding a community with people that look like you personally, just because that's what you feel more comfortable with, right? Whether it's gender, sexuality, race, um, whatever it is, I think that's really, really an important piece as well. Um, and so I'm losing my track of thought. We talked about community and what was the second piece to your question? I was just looking for a comment and what you thought about all of the, you know, this this kind of like estrangement of these people who are lost in the middle of like, where do I go? Because there aren't a lot of people that are firmly entrenched in this middle ground, right? And the other thing that's hard about that is, and we talk about this frequently, is like this middle ground where you're more neutral and accepting of, you know, all these people that are coming everywhere. It's not SEO friendly. It's not clickbaity. It's not sexy, right? So it's not the things that are getting, you know, except for your TikTok video that's got like, you know, 7 million views. Usually stuff like that, when we're talking about like, no, it's okay to do this or like acceptance or neutrality, it's not going gangbusters, right? Like it's getting, you know, a couple of hundred likes or something like that, maybe, but it's not like, you know, diet culture where it's like diet starts tomorrow and everyone's like, yeah, me too. And then, or it's like, fuck diet culture and everyone's like, yeah, me too. But the middle part is not like that because you can't, it's hard to sensationalize neutrality and acceptance because it's not radical like when you're living your day-to-day life in this mentality and in this space because it is so accepting there is a lot of flux and it's you know like going back and forth kind of like the tides and stuff but it's not a hurricane and then you know rock bottom which is a lot of the time what these extremes can feel like Yes. I love that point that you made there because I think that, oh, there's so much truth to it. And it's like, once you really learn about neutrality and acceptance and like those things, like I think so much of intuitive eating, like people get into it thinking it's something that it's not right. They think that it's eating all of the things all of the time, fuck dieting, like, which makes sense why people think that, because that is technically like a little piece of it. But as we know, it's so much more nuanced. There's 10 defined principles. It goes into so much more. Um, but yeah, that's, that's a really, really good point. And it, it is hard from a provider or practitioner or business standpoint to like, how do we make our messages where people will see them, hear them, be attracted to them. And, and they don't have to be like polarizing and clickbaity because I'm so over that shit. Right. Well, we could even talk about like the, the whole reason that the anti-diet community has become so popular and because it exists in the first place is a reaction to the extremes of the diet culture community, right? And when we think about this like a pendulum, right, and we are more like towards the middle is if you are swung all the way to the left side, you can't just with, you know, if we think about like the marble or the weight on the end of the pendulum, you can't just come and stop in the middle. You have to go all the way to the right side and then like swing back and forth a couple of times before you come to a place of rest or ease or neutrality is what we would call it right and so it makes a lot of sense 
even, you know, again, validating every feeling that everyone has about diet culture, like, of course, you're in a fuck diet culture phase, because if you have been on the other side, and diet culture and aesthetic culture and fitness culture and beauty culture and everything have been dictating your entire life, and you're realizing that there is another way, that is so crazy to you that you're like, oh my God, you know, we go into like that anger stage, right? Of the stages of grief. And it's like, well, of course you're mad at that. That makes a whole lot of sense. But from a practitioner's standpoint, especially if you have chronic health conditions, which Christine and I specialize in, as we talked about on your podcast, right? You can't just stay in the like diet culture is bad or like I hate dieting stage because you won't actually get to a place where your body feels good. And like you said, a lot of people get caught up in the intuitive eating is just eating all of the things that you weren't allowed to eat when you were dieting. Well, it makes a lot of sense that they would think that because when you first start a more intuitive eating journey, the natural reaction is exactly, it's a vacation reaction. It's, oh, I haven't been able to eat these things for so long and I can finally eat them. So it's like, oh my gosh, I want to eat them all the time because you're still in this phase where there might be a threat that you're going to go on a diet again. So your body's like, we're finally allowed to have these things. Like I'm going to keep eating all the things because I might not be able to eat them tomorrow. So it makes sense why people, why that you know side even exists in the first place. But what we're saying and what we all try to do as practitioners and in our communities is if you've gone there, because that is a very necessary stage, but you're still feeling like, like this, I really needed that. But now I'm in a place where like, I'm not feeling great or like this doesn't, this doesn't feel like I'm where I'm going to settle. It's not where you have to stay. Yes. I love that you pointed that out. And I think it's also important to point out just, and I'm sure you guys have seen this too, working with hundreds and hundreds of clients is that sometimes we do have to stay there for a really long time. And I, and, and like you said, some people will get to that, like get through that honeymoon phase or the celebratory binge phase. I'll call it like fairly quickly, like maybe a few weeks, maybe a few months, but I do have clients that I've worked with that like they are very, very in the know and aware that it doesn't feel pleasant being there, but mentally and emotionally, they still have to be there because just the thought of starting to work on gentle nutrition or integrate some things like raises that red flag and that like going back to starvation mode kind of threat. And so for anybody listening, just like you said, like that doesn't have to be your destination. That doesn't have to be the stopping point. But if you are there and it doesn't feel safe to leave there yet, that's okay too. And again, that's what makes this message so hard because everybody is so different. But if we've been dieting and restricting for 20 plus years, we can't expect to just be in the like fuck diet culture stage for like a week. Um, and as you were explaining the fuck diet culture stage, I was like laughing. Cause I was like, Oh, I was in that stage for whew, at least a year. And, and I was a practitioner. And the thing is, is that all of these dietitians that are recognizing that they are doing harm by supporting a weight centric model and their practices are luck. Like, luckily, I think a lot are realizing the harm that they were not intentionally trying to cause, but starting to move towards an anti-diet intuitive eating approach. And they have to go through that fuck diet culture stage. Um, like I know I did, and I talk about very openly where we're seeing them transitioning publicly. So that is having an effect, right? Because people are seeing their messages and they might be over on that pendulum, like 
opposite side. They might not be in the middle yet, um, which is really interesting to think about how that influences people in our communities as well. Yeah, I like how you brought up the the fact that you have to stay there for a while because I, I almost liken it to how however intense your dieting history is or how attached you were to that is almost paralleled into the attachment and the necessity of the detachment to anti, you know, to then detaching from it and the length of time that it takes. Like there are people who are like, I was like, a casual dieter and like you can land in the middle a little bit faster but if you're someone like um who was not and it was really hard it's almost like there's this level of the only way out is to say fuck it for a while and to say like oh and it might be like Dana mentioned like the perception of future restriction plays a role and that's why you're there or it may be rich, really triggering because you have a, a heavy disordered eating and eating disorder pattern and it's scary to even mention even gentle nutrition, which a lot of my clients can certainly relate to and kind of sitting in that place. And also too, it takes a lot of freaking courage to go from dieting, eating disorder world to anti. And it is like there is a level of this point where you have to draw the line and jump over and say, I'm not going to do this anymore because it's toxic for me. It's toxic toxic for my family. It's toxic for my mental health. I don't want to participate in this anymore. It's taken away so much of my life. So there is a point where you have to like jump in the deep end a little bit and then eventually you learn how to swim. And it's hard because it takes a long time to get there and if you're never given the tools before because all you've ever been told is how to do it this one way you're gonna feel like you're sinking (laughs) you know it's gonna feel really difficult and that's where the the community is so important and having people around you and practitioners around you to help you give you the tools in order to start swimming again and to feel like you feel confident in that anti-diet pool and to move yourself more towards this neutral acceptance-based place and then let go of that toxicity of the comparison you know, of like what other people are doing. Why are they able to do this? And I'm not able to do this. Maybe you're not able to do some of those things yet because of your history with dieting. Maybe you're not able to do this because of you need to stay in this stage a little bit longer. And that's where I get really frustrated by either side of like the new year, new you kind of mentality is because it doesn't happen overnight. It's not going to happen in 30 days period. Like it's just not, you're not going to go anti-diet and magically work on your relationship with food, your body and everything in between in 30 days. And you're not going to completely change your chemical blueprint of your body in 30 days either. And that's where the, the perspective of that, oh, this can happen overnight is to me, so dangerous on either way. And I think you have to get really fucking comfortable with being really uncomfortable in in the whole world but you still have to jump there has to be a point where you decide I'm gonna jump and that's where the anti-diet is that's where the whole fuck it is and that's why Carol Donna wrote an entire book called the fuck it diet because there is that point where you have to just jump in the deep end and say all right I'm gonna learn how to swim yes and I love that you brought up the point of like being uncomfortable there's nothing about 
ditching dieting and coming over to this space that's comfy. Like we interviewed Brianna Campos multiple times on our podcast, Body Image with Brie, an amazing account for anybody listening. And she, I forget exactly how she said it, but she was like, unless you are dead, you are going to feel uncomfortable emotions as a human being. And that doesn't make it wrong. That make that's actually very right. Like that, you know, and I think so much of intuitive eating is so much more than eating. I think that's where there's a misconception too, that it's like only about food because through becoming an intuitive eating counselor, just even personally, the, the amount I've learned about emotional intelligence and being able to recognize emotions and what they mean and how they're all there for a reason to tell our bodies, like, like really clear cut things that it's feeling and, you know, what, and how we can react and the physical sensations that come up. And so I think that's such a big point is like, people think that if they're not happy, that they're not doing it right. And that is, couldn't be further from the truth. Like if you're not crying and swearing and screaming, you're not doing it right. Right. Or like, if you don't feel completely lost or scared, I feel like then it's like that, like, that's what is a part of this journey. So And I think that comes back to social media too, of just giving us this false perception of like what our journeys should look like, because we're looking at all these curated media feeds of these, you know, whoever just eating a donut and saying, fuck dieting and thinking like, okay, that's what it's going to look like for me too. Yeah. And, you know, going back to the, like, it's so much more than just about the food piece. I think one of the reasons why people find this so incredibly uncomfortable is because I think we can, um, you know, make a generalization here that as a culture in general, we're not great with dealing with our emotions, right? And we just kind of like work through them or push through them or we busy ourselves through them. Or we, for example, when we feel uncomfortable emotions, we turn to restricting food or eating food or over-exercising or anything so that we don't have to deal with those emotions in the first place, right? So starting this intuitive eating journey or even just breaking away from dieting can feel a lot like when you first go to therapy and you're like wait a minute I thought this was supposed to make me feel better but I actually feel like shit because you have to go through everything in order to figure out where all of your stuff is coming from right but so speaking of social media and the comparison piece at this point in the month um when this is going to come out is a lot of people are coming towards either like a middle point or like towards an end point of their like new year's resolution 30 day you know diet protocols and stuff and unless you as a listener have curated your feed to where you are 100% seeing no one who's ever doing a diet or anything you're probably seeing people posting about pictures of their food or before and after photos and if you as a listener have been trying the non-diet thing this month you might be feeling like super left out or second guessing why you didn't join in because you want the outcome but not the craziness that you know that this has given you before so Sammy what would you say is some advice for people who are feeling in that situation right now in that position and need some encouragement to just kind of keep going with what they're doing and not go back to what feels like the more comfortable option of what they were doing before with dieting? Yeah, that's such a great question. I think what's so important to take note of is that when we are in diet culture, so if if we're on an anti-diet, non-diet approach journey right now, chances are you have dieted for a good amount of time, right? Or have disordered eating behaviors or previously did, 
So it's important to remember that when we're in diet culture, we're putting all of our emphasis and all of our trust into external things, right? So whether that's a meal plan, a calorie count, a macro count, you know, whatever it is, um, a coach, right? Like a macro coach, or maybe it was even a dietitian that gave you a calorie count or whatever it is versus when you come into this intuitive eating space, the entire mission behind it is how do we regain trust with yourself again? So when I heard you kind of ask that question, my brain goes immediately to building awareness and recognizing when we are turning out of our bodies and towards other things, right? So if we're playing that comparison trap with like, oh, well, should I do what she's doing or should I do this diet or, or, you know, whatever commercial we see or social media posts, having just awareness of like, oh, okay, I'm turning outside of myself and looking for at other things for external validation when the whole point of intuitive eating is how do we turn inward and build that trust? So that would be like the first place I would start is just building that awareness. And again, if you're doing that, there's no guilt, there's no shame, there's no judgment. We have been wired to do that. And diet culture teaches us to not trust ourselves, right? Our bodies are bad. There's something wrong with us. We need this XYZ diet. So to just recognize and, and in those moments, turn inward and say, okay, what am I feeling right now? What do I need in this moment? Do I need support? Do I need a distraction? Do I need to sit with an emotion? Like, what is it that I need because I'm searching for something? Um, and then I think it's maybe having a mantra or whether again, it's that community or but having something that you can pull back to, to say like, taking a deep breath and through the nose, out through the mouth, like this is turning away from my body. My intention is to turn inward and just kind of grounding yourself. Yeah. I love that. And then also acknowledging that it's okay if the turning inward feels uncomfortable, right? Because again, acknowledging that if you are feeling uncomfortable, there's probably a reason for that, right? And then inviting with curiosity like ooh why do i feel uncomfortable you know cuz nobody likes to feel uncomfortable so most of us what we do is we go into fixing mode is like i need to fix why i feel uncomfortable so but we don't even really go to the identifying of like ooh what is the root cause of why i feel uncomfortable here it's just like fix the thing we don't want to feel this right so then we go to like distraction or we go to numbing or we go to whatever so we don't have to feel the hard emotions that are under the uncomfortableness. But like Sammy has been saying and Christina and me the whole time, like if you are feeling uncomfortable during this journey, it probably is an indication that, yeah, you're doing something outside of your comfort zone because our natural comfort zone after 20, 30, 50, 10, 5, whatever it is, years of dieting and basically outsourcing our body's needs to a calorie counter or a list of rules is more comfortable because we have been taught that we can't trust our bodies if we want them to fit a certain mold or do a certain thing when in reality that couldn't be farther from the truth one of the things that i'm thinking about too is it's not even just about yes all of the things around being uncomfortable so important but I also think we should normalize the loneliness that you might be feeling too. And I think that's important as well. And 
saying you might feel lonely, you might feel left out, you might feel detached from society, because in a large way, you kind of are, you know, like, I'm not gonna to deny that. One of the things that I talk about with my clients, and I think we should pull like there's some things from diet culture that you can pull to like actually re flip around and make it a little bit better. And one of the things that I refer to a lot is create a bubble, create your own kind of recovery bubble. And the same way that dieting culture tells you to, to turn off other things or or to put pictures up on your refrigerator that are going to inspire you or all the other toxic things that they, <laughs> that they encourage you to do, you can turn that around and you can create your own bubble for yourself. And you can put, like um, Sammy mentioned, like a mantra. Like one of the things that I say to my clients is it's safe for you to eat. You know, and having that someplace visual for yourself, curating your social media so that you're seeing things and creating like sometimes I'll even tell clients create a private account and all in that thing. It's like my safe space and it's like your safe space where you're only following certain people in there and it reiterates that. So when you're feeling lonely, when you feel like you're the only person going down this this really deep, and I call it like the emotional tunnel. And sometimes you don't see the light. You don't see where the light is at the end of that tunnel. And it can be scary and it can feel overwhelming. But we know we have to keep walking through it to get to the other side. Create a bubble for yourself, a place where you can look, where you can see some of the light at the end of the tunnel. That you can get that reassurance, hey, I'm getting, I'm going to get through this. Um, people have done it. Um I'm able to do it too. It might take time. It took time for them. And normalizing that piece, I think is equally as important as saying, hey, you're going to be uncomfortable. And you know what? You might be really lonely too. And you might feel left out. And to create some kind of experience for yourself in some type of place where you can feel less alone. And that is also like listening to podcasts, right? Like listening to these messages, finding that community, doing those things. And like I said, I call it creating that little bubble for yourself, that little safe place you can go to that because you're bombarded with the, the opposite message, literally every moment you step outside the house and even when you're not stepping outside the house, it's there all the time. It's like this constant buzzing that you're going to be hearing all day every day how nice it would and how nice it is to create a space that turns off that noise for a second and gives you that reassurance of hey this is hard and there is a light at the end of this tunnel and this is taking a lot of courage but you can keep walking and I think that's so important too I love it I love it. And I think that comes back to how we've talked, we've referenced community so many times on this podcast, but like adding that into your, you call it bubble, I call it toolbox, right? Of just like things that will keep you safe because diet culture is not going anywhere. Like as much as we wish it would just literally burn to the ground and disappear. Unfortunately, it's not, but that doesn't mean that you have to be a part of it because it's still there. Um, and I think just like we've reiterated this whole time, it is really, really hard work if you're doing this work, but it is some of the most rewarding and life-changing work that you can do because you can actually get your life back. Mental freedom, free of obsession of food, life satisfaction, actually being present at like social events and like being genuinely present and happy or enjoying a moment versus just being wrapped up with food, obsessive body image, obsessive thoughts. It is so 
worth all of, all of the hard, uncomfortable stuff is worth it. Yeah. Imagine, uh, not being controlled by thoughts of food and body image the rest of your life. Worth it. Yes. (laughs) Well, so speaking of curating your toolbox and filling your feed, your bubble, whatever we want to call it with things that are going to be supportive and enforcing all of these messages and everything, please tell everyone all of the places that they can find you. Instagram, TikTok, your podcast, which I love, used to be called Drunk Dietitians. No longer, but I freaking love it. Yes. So probably the easiest way would be to head over to our Instagram because everything like sprouts off of there. So our Instagram is at find.food.freedom. So there's just periods between the words. Our TikTok is find food freedom. So no dots there. Um, You can find this on our Instagram, but if you head over to findfoodfreedomresources.com, that has a free one hour training. If people want to just get started with like, what actually is intuitive eating? Cause we've talked a lot about what it's not today. So like, okay, what is it? And how do I get started? We have that training there. Um, if you want to apply to work with our team, you can go there. And then that also has the links to our, what the actual fork podcast, as well as the fine food freedom podcast that I host as well. So all the things, but Instagram's probably the, the easiest.